And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, pretty much wherever you guys get a podcast. This week, I'm joined by Shehan Jayaraja from Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and we are going to talk some OU and Baylor. And, you know, Shehan, how are you doing, man? Look, uh... I was worried as as recently as yesterday that we weren't going to get a chance to talk this game at all, right? That's uh, yeah, so, that's why I pushed back on have <laughs> talking about this till this evening, right? Definitely, definitely. So, as far as we know, it seems like things are still a go. Uh, I, I can tell you, you know, I cover I cover every football team in the state of Texas that plays college. We had two cancellations so far this week alone, including SMU Houston today. So. If I get to see uh, see this game happen on Saturday, I'll count that as a win. Yeah, gosh, man, it seems like Houston can't catch a break, especially this year. It's been that's been awful. I believe that I saw that, uh, and, and I need to double check this, but I believe that this was Houston's eighth canceled or postponed football Jeez. game. Jeez, oh my god! <laughs> and they've rescheduled some of them. Like there was the whole deal with Baylor earlier in the year, where they originally were going to play Memphis, that was pushed back. They get Baylor, Baylor cancels literally at the last second. I mean, so they've not only have they had a bunch of cancellations, they've also had terrible luck. And then the last two weeks, it was their fault. You know, so it's yeah. it's just, yeah, they can't catch a break right now. <laughs> it's it's just so it's just so wild that all this is like now like really taking a toll, especially on Texas teams and mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. course Oklahoma and then Ohio State may not even be eligible for their conference championship. You know, this is not what anybody thought would probably maybe happen. You know, we all we all knew the the season would probably get started, but we all didn't know if the season would end. So I guess we're gonna see, but this. This game for OU and Baylor is a senior day game uh, at 7 p.m. Fox, another primetime game for the Sooners uh, for the third week in a row. Of course, the last one was postponed. The line is at 22 points, 22 and a half, over under is 62 and a half. Um, so my, my first question is this. Most people who really were paying attention to Baylor over the last couple of years under Matt Rule, and I, I freaking love Matt Rule, um, understood this was probably going to be a rebuilding year once a lot of players left after the new rules going to Carolina. And so how is Baylor, how is the fan base really taking to Dave Aranda and his coaching staff and the philosophies they're instilling this season? Yeah, I think that it's definitely been a mixed bag, let's say. So I think that heading into the year, my personal thought process on this team was I expected the defense to take a little bit of time. And I thought that the offense would potentially have a chance to potentially take a step forward because Larry Fedora, obviously a very good offensive coach. I thought with a senior quarterback, with a relatively experienced line, with a lot of guys coming back, I I thought that they'd have a chance to potentially take a step forward, and it has gone the opposite of that. The defense has actually been pretty good so far this year, Dave Aranda kind of putting his imprint on that, Uh, but the offense has really been a struggle, and part of it is uh, protection, part of it is also that Charlie Brewer seems to have regressed a little bit. I don't know if he's just not the best fit for this system, which is – I thought he was going to be a very good fit for the spread system because it's kind of similar to what he ran in high school, but uh, it just hasn't come together so far. Um, and, and so the offense has really been pretty anemic. Now, last week against Kansas State, finally they started to find some momentum, but it really has been you know, the defense keeping them in the football game and the offense unable to, to kind of put drives together. And – Look, I mean, I think that after beating Kansas State last week, everybody's feeling a little bit better in Waco, but it definitely was not the season that I think anybody expected uh, Dave Aranda to have in his first year. And obviously there's plenty of context. There's no reason to be worried by any means, but, uh, but I definitely think that the learning curve was a little bit steeper than people expected. Yeah, I agree. And let's stay on the defense uh, because that's been really positive for the team this year. You know, they've had a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball. I knew they got hit hard in the trenches, especially after Matt Rule decided to go to the NFL. And so there was a drop-off to be a little bit expected, of course. And so what, how in which ways have this group really progressed during the year throughout the fall? I mean, I'm sure they've gotten better in some places, but maybe has stayed stagnant in others. Yeah, I'd say that the biggest place where they've been positive is at linebacker. Uh, We knew that heading into the year, Terrell Bernard was a potential All-American type, and he's actually out now, unfortunately. He's ever a season-ending injury. But before that, I mean, he was playing at a really, really high level. And 
alongside him, Jalen Petrie was a guy who had played more of a box linebacker the past couple of years, and he moved to more of what Dave Aranda calls the star position, which has a little bit more coverage responsibility. And he's transformed into one of the nation's best linebackers, in my opinion. He's playing at a really high level right now. I, I think that, like you mentioned, uh, one of the bigger issues has been up front just because there's so much inexperience down there. Now, they brought in a grad transfer from, from Arkansas State named William Bradley King, who's been playing really well for them the last couple of weeks. But, you know, anybody who watched this Baylor team last year, they know that front three, and, and they ran three back then, obviously they run four now, but that front three, I mean, it was as good as anybody's. Like, you see now in the NFL, you know, James Lynch was obviously an All-American. Bravion Roy's uh, really making a wave right now in Carolina. And and the third guy, James Lockhart, was a, you know, a highly rated guy too. And all three of those guys are gone now. So I think it's definitely been a little bit of a process there. But I really do like what Baylor has. They're very young still. They're still coming together. Um, But I think that especially on that back end of the defense, because also even at defensive back, I think they played very well too. I I think that they're solid. I think that there's a lot of hope there. And and again, I think they perform better than I expected. Yeah, and and that's what it's looked like. I mean, it looks like the defense has been keeping them in game just for Charlie Brewer to maybe eke something out like they did against Kansas State. So, I mean, he looked like the Charlie Brewer over the win against Kansas State. He looked like last year's. And I, I, I was thinking during the game, you know, like what what happened this year along with the, both the lines kind of getting a little bit. Uh, his numbers were definitely down from last year. Uh, what's been the root of the passing game's drop-off? Is it like the loss of big play wide receivers? Is it a struggling offensive line? Is it probably a gray area between the two? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, I guess. Um, and so I'd say that the loss of Denzel Mims has been pretty significant. And actually, I think one of the things that we saw this past week was we kind of saw RJ Sneed step up and fill that role of that reliable receiver that every time Charlie Brewer steps back, he knows that RJ Sneed's going to be there. Um, Protection has definitely been an issue, especially early in the year. It was, it was pretty horrible because uh, Baylor had a lot of issues with COVID that specifically impacted the offensive line. So they had a bunch of starters who were in and out of the rotation and and that really made finding some consistency difficult. Uh, And it hasn't helped to obviously that they haven't run the ball very well, but also it's one of those things, right? Where when you don't pass the ball, well, you don't run the ball well, Mm -hmm. then you don't pass the ball well and it kind of cycles. Right. And, uh, and on top of that, I mean, I think that it's hard to say, but Charlie Brewer has just not played well this year, too. Uh, he's done a bad job of reading defenses. I, I think that they've tried to give him a little bit more responsibility, and I don't think he's handled it very well. I think he just hasn't uh, sort of upped his football IQ to the level that maybe they hoped that he would by the time the season started. And I think actually on both sides of the ball, you're starting to see that they're simplifying things a little bit. And I think that they're starting to have some success. And eventually I do expect that they're going to make things complicated again, because that's kind of Aranda's MO is right. Is, is being complex and, right. and running different schemes. Yeah. But I do think that at least for these last couple of games, if they're going to keep brewing the lineup, I, I think that they will continue to simplify things for him. And a lot of the Sooner fans, they know the big names in this game. It's who to expect from Baylor. Who, who, who are a couple of names that the Sooner fans let watch this game on Fox this, this Saturday that they maybe not know as much, but they should be aware of? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So I, th- I think that I mentioned him earlier, but RJ Snead is really mm-hmm. the receiver who's stepping up. Uh, heading into the year, we kind of thought the guy would be Tyquan Thornton, but because of the protection issues and because of Charlie kind of struggling to throw the ball, uh, he hasn't been able to kind of get free as much as he has in previous years. So RJ Snead last week really stepped up. I mean, he's one of the more sure-handed receivers in the Big 12. And actually last year, uh, I believe that Pro Football Focus said that he was like one of the the leaders in terms of guys who got catches on third downs. Like I think got in conversion rate basically. So he's a very sure handed receiver, a guy who gets open a lot. Uh, He can both go short and long with it. Um, He's, he's also can make acrobatic catches as well. So he's definitely a guy that you're going to want to watch out for. Uh, Again, like I mentioned on defense, Jalen Petrie uh, and, and another guy that I'll mention too, I'm really excited to see the battle between Marvin Mims and Raleigh Tejada, two kids who are actually both from Frisco, although Mims is a freshman, Mm -hmm. Raleigh Tejada is a senior, but Tejada has been one of the more consistent cover corners in college football this year. But it's going to – I mean, this is a different battle, obviously, right? Like, Marvin Mims is as good a receiver as Tejada's going to have played. I don't know exactly how much they're going to be matched up exactly on each other, mm. but uh, but he's one of those guys who's not spectacular. He just kind of consistently week in, week 
out, is in the right position, makes plays on the ball. I'm going to be really interested to see whether he's going to be able to keep up with that wide receiver core. Yeah, I remember last year's game down in Waco. I remember him coming up seeing, seeming like a kind of a hard hitter, really reliable guy. And, I mean, before we go on to the rapid fire, I guess we could relive last year's game down in Waco for a second. I mean, I imagine you were – were you at the stadium or no? I, I was at that one, yes. So, okay, first of all, what was the crowd reaction when the pregame ceremony was happening and the guy said, sick him Jesus? Were people confused? <laughs> were they excited? What, what, what was the reaction there? Um <laughs> – I, I know I was confused. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, uh, like I cover all sorts of schools, but you know, I did go to Baylor, and so I am used to sort of the uh, the religiosity of it, I guess. But man, you don't, you don't. I don't think anybody can expect that coming out of anybody's <laughs> That's mouth incredible. for any in any context. To be perfectly honest, uh, so I, I think that I think that it was probably a mix between. There definitely, I'm sure, was a group of people who were like, "Wow, that's so it's so cool, heck yeah!" And, and then I'm sure there were a bunch of people that were like what <laughs> yeah I, sure, I, I remember looking up and being like this guy to say this so what's going on <laughs> i i forgot that that was at that game but yeah i mean <laughs> sir it's, it's certainly something to say <laughs> and I, I believe baylor got up like i think it was 28 to 3 or something like that and it, it was exactly how was how was the crowd how was the crowd at that moment it sounded, know, it sounded like they were like out for blood like the, they yeah. they played the sooner schooner like it's tipping over, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, so I, what was that? What was it like? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll say, I mean, I think that Baylor last year, I don't want to say that they were a conservative team because I don't think that's fair. But, like, the way that they tried to win football games was they were worried about ball control. They were worried about efficiency. They were very much, let's put our defense in a good position, and our defense is so good that we're going to win the football game. And it literally worked against every team that they played in the Big 12, except for Oklahoma twice, right? And so the, the thing that happened, though, um, was that you saw right from the get-go, they were aggressive in that game against Oklahoma. Like, mm -hmm. first or second play, we're talking about Charlie throwing the ball down the field. I mean, I think they scored on, like, their third play or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they did. And, uh, and that was something that we, have, we had not seen from them. You know, Jeff Nixon was definitely more of a, a traditionalist play caller uh, when, when it came to the way that he called offense. Um, and, you know, for them to go out and kind of be very aggressive, I, I mean, we were a little surprised, I think. And I, I think that, like you mentioned, I think the fans really bought into it and were excited about it. And, you know, it, it just sort of started compounding on itself, right, where, okay, they did that. You know, I think that we we could have a whole podcast about Jalen yeah. Hurts, and I'm sure you have, you know, and he, he wasn't a guy who wanted to be throwing the ball a ton. And, right. and once he started chucking the ball, he started turning it over. He started making mistakes, and, uh, and Baylor was able to capitalize on that. And I think that you have to give a lot of credit to Lincoln Riley because he's just – he's one of those coaches um, – and, and actually, I mean, to relate it back to a Baylor game, it reminds me of, of when Baylor and TC played in that famous 61-58 game, right, because – Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was TC goes up 58 to 37. And the thing that swings the game is even though it's the fourth quarter, even though you're running out of time per se, the thing that's, that swings the game is that Baylor started committing to running the ball. And that's really what you saw from Oklahoma was that, you know what, they were like, we'll take six yards, we'll take seven yards. And, uh, and even though we're down 25 points, right, we're just going to keep clawing our way back. And, uh, and I think that a lot of coaches in that position really – overemphasize like oh man we got to hit the big play we got to we got to hit the gas pedal all that sort of stuff and you know again I, I think that early in that game I mean the place was as rocking as I'd ever heard that stadium right I mean mm -hmm. you know to, to think that oh man are we going to be undefeated are we going to have a chance to you know be in the top four all that sort of stuff and and it flipped so quickly you yeah. know as that so, game give me give me a scene setter what was it like in the stadium once Nick Benito first because I was I was anxious watching it because I the Baylor was driving they looked like yeah. they were gonna go tie it up and he he Charlie Brewer threw it right at Nick Benito the first time and he dropped it and, right. and all of us are screaming and then he threw it again and Nick Benito just reached, reached his arms out there to snag it in right. what was the stadium like in the, <laughs> at that moment yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question. So if I remember, I, I, we were on the sideline at that point because this was right at the end of the game. And, you know, mm -hmm. they let media come down to the field. Obviously not this year. I mean, there's a million things that are different this year. But in a normal year, they let media come down to the field with about five minutes left in the game, right? And so 
we had seen this so many times from Baylor, right? Because Baylor wasn't blowing people out. Mm. They were making these plays at the end. And I mean, I, I don't even know exactly how many fourth quarter comebacks Charlie Brewer led, but it was probably four or five last year, right? I mean, it, he was doing it week in and week out. And he came down and they started moving a little bit, like you said, uh, and, and he was just accurate, making all the right decisions, making all the right throws. But then, you, yeah, you kind of noticed, you were like, they keep throwing this out, right? Like they keep throwing this out. Mm-hmm. And, and Benito, you know, makes a play the first time and, and can't quite get it. And, you know, I, I mean, I stand there on the side, I'm like, man, they better not try that again. Because I don't, I don't think that – I think they figured that out, right? Like, I don't think that that's going to be there. And, and that's – I mean, I think that that's kind of been an issue sometimes with Charlie Brewer's career is that he – if he sees a play that he likes there, he's not ready for them to adjust to take it away, right? Like, sometimes he just kind of mm-hmm. keeps trying to push it. And, uh, and, yeah, I mean, I think that Baylor fans in that stadium – you know, from what it sounded like, I think that they thought this is just another time we're going to go and we're going to win the game. We're, you know, this is what we've done every single week. We've gone, we've dr- driven down the field. They haven't been able to stop us. Charlie Brewer's made all the plays. And then the interception happens and the place just goes silent. <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> silent. I mean, it was, yeah, that was, that was as crazy a game as I, I think I've ever been to. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was, I, I think that, you know, it's funny, right? Because, seeing a team come back at home in their home stadium and the craziness around that is yeah. one kind of excitement, but the, the excitement of like silencing a crowd, I mean, that has to be unlike anything that you can experience. I remember looking up around some Baylor fans and as soon as that, as soon as the first, you know, tip happened from Benito, they're like, Oh no, that was, that was close. That was close. Right, and I was like, right. I'm saying the same thing. And then this, the actual interception happens, and then they just start booing at Charlie Brewer. Was like, it <laughs> <laughs> was just so that's too good. Man. But oh man, I got some rapid fire questions for you. All right, let's go. Jack wrote these, so I, I hope I hope I know what I am. <laughs> oh, I I don't think I know this first one, but hey, I hope you do. All right, all right. What's your favorite variety of Big O at George's in Waco? I don't know what that is. You have to explain. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will admit, I'm not a, I'm not a big George's guy. Uh, I, I was not. That, that wasn't one of my spots. Uh, see, if you, if you went to Baylor, like especially like before 2010, I mean, you basically had to go there because there was not much else. Mm-hmm. In the last 10 years or so, they've started to build it up a little bit. So I was, I was always, uh, you know, I was always the nerd who was like busy doing, uh, busy doing reporting and stuff. So I, I wasn't a big George's guy. So unfortunately, I can't give a good answer to that question. <laughs> Well, guys, I guess we're both off the hook. So <laughs> then this next question, are you a big Chip fan or are you a more of a Joanna guy? <laughs> um, I mean, if I had to pick, I'd probably say that I'm, I'm a Joanna guy. I think that uh, Chip is like the exuberant one, right? And mm-hmm. Joanna is more of like the grounding them, trying yeah. to get them back to work. And I feel like that's more my personality. That's fair. So who's your favorite Baylor alumni outside of sports? Oh man, favorite Baylor alumni outside of sports. Uh, that is an excellent question and one that I wish I had a better answer for off the top of my head. Um, I mean, you know what? I think that you guys had me on last year and I think I gave the same answer. Uh, I think it's Ann Richards, right? Like, yeah, Ann Rich- to, I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that King of the Hill episode too. Right, right, right. No, I mean, you know, she's, listen, uh, you know, the, Texas, obviously, strong culture there, and uh, and she sort of epitomizes the badass Texas woman. And I'll tell you what, I don't think I would have expected somebody as cool as her to have gone to Baylor in like the '40s or '50s or wherever she went to school. Yeah, man. Oh, that was that was a. And she was on a great King of the Hill episode where yeah, Hank Hill yeah. mooned her from the elevator. <laughs> that's that's so good. Uh, if you could be any former Baylor athlete for a day, who would you be? Any former Baylor athlete per day. Maybe okay. not RG3 today. Uh, not, not today. Not today. Uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, listen, he, he did great things for Baylor. I, I don't know exactly if I, if I want the life that, that RG3's had after, after graduating from Baylor. Um, yeah, let's, let's think. I mean, I think – so for me, I'm a huge basketball guy. So I feel like I, feel like I have to go sort of in that direction. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to go with, uh, with Royce, Royce O'Neal. So okay. Royce O'Neal, he's, he's like kind of a, a, a guy who sort of struggled his way. You know, I mean, he actually, fun story with him, he actually uh, started his career at the University of Denver, didn't receive any high major attention, ended up transferring to Baylor, becoming an All-Big 12 player, and, uh, and really fighting his way from like the Spanish Second League to the, uh, to the Utah Jazz. 
and I mean, he's he's been really good for them. He's been a contributor for them. Uh, I, and I think I think for me, right? Like again, basketball just like the lifestyle so much better and the money so much better for me. I would not want to be a football player personally, uh, even in yeah, the NFL. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that I think that being one of those guys who's sort of middle rotation NBA players, I think that's a pretty good life. Yeah. So does Scott Drew's team win the Big 12 this year? It's going to be a hot conference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I'll tell you what, we're recording about 824 right now. Uh, and at 9 p.m., we got Baylor versus Illinois happening. Uh, it's going to be a crazy game. I'm, I'm curious to see. I mean, I it is a travesty that we did not get to see Baylor go into the tournament last year. And yep. Thankfully, they're able to return a lot of their production, but this kind of has to be the year, right? Like, I mm-hmm. mean, not that there's not that it would be a disaster if they didn't win it by any means. I mean, they're in a great position, got great recruiting classes, got guys coming back, but this is the year, right? Kansas doesn't look especially good. Uh, you know, even even Texas Tech and Texas, they've looked really good so far, but they're earlier on in their development, right? Like, Baylor's got to be the team. Yep. This has to be the year, and, and I think that if Baylor's ever going to win the Big 12, it has to be this year. I agree. And so what's your last question? What's your favorite check stop Kalachi? <laughs> I really liked, uh, and I don't, I think they might've only introduced this one a little later. I don't know if whether they had it when I first started college and, and also growing up. I mean, we used to drive, I live in Dallas. So we used to drive Dallas to Austin quite a bit and stop there. But, uh, I really like the, uh, the Nutella Kalachi. I mean, mm. I, I think that that's yes. a solid pick. Usually what I'll do is I'll get, you know, maybe a Nutella kolache. I'll pick something fruity, like maybe like a strawberry and cream cheese or something like that. And then maybe I'll also consider getting like a sausage roll or something like that. I like to kind of balance things out a little bit. Sounds wonderful. I mean, like I'm ready to go get some kolaches right now. So (laughs) it's gosh, but all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Shayon, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. It's wonderful. You're verified on Twitter. You should go follow this man. He's does great work down there but tell them where you can find your stuff yeah you can find all my work at textfootball.com uh you can become a subscriber to our magazine we so the way that our magazine works we do like a big preview magazine for football every single year and a preview basketball magazine actually uh, and you can find those at textfootball.com slash subscribe and yeah follow me on twitter at shahanjay raja just my name all right, guys, we're back from a break, and now I'm being joined by one of the other co-hosts of the show, Stephen Brown. Uh, he has kicked COVID's ass, uh, feeling pretty great, sounds like. Um, how's, how's life, man? Uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's, uh, it's been a little bit busier trying to get back into uh, like catching up on things when you're out for like basically a week and a half, but uh, feeling pretty good. Glad to be back uh, podcasting. Yeah, and, and a lot of people didn't know because I mean, we, didn't, we didn't say anything, but um, Steven and Jack both have had COVID in like the last two weeks, and I've been the only lucky one so far. So I'm going to Well, I'm you didn't go to, fingers. to Kong's uh, cantina nope. with me and Jack. We were doing some anti-masking. Ah, lines of Coke too? Uh, a couple, a couple mm. here and there. Nothing too too bad though. Gotta be careful when you're sh- when you're sharing the dollar <laughs> bills. Yeah, you know, gosh, but yeah, no, it's uh, and, and vaccinations are on the way, so that's seeing that seems promising. The CDC is now saying, oh, seven days in a negative test will do it for you. So I think that's kind of come in handy for the Sooners. But man, so so I just got off the line with Shayhan uh, from uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Texas Football, and we talked about a Baylor. But do we want to talk about Baylor or do we want to talk about Bob Stoops being on the damn sidelines the last two days and the last practices? Oh, absolutely. We're talking about Bob Stoops. Yeah. Is, 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 uh, is Alex Grinch going to lose his job due to injury? <laughs> I thought about tweeting uh, something out about how Alex Grinch was definitely on the hot seat. Yep. Um, very similar to Venables when you know, Mike came back to the sideline. I thought about tweeting out the other day that – uh, looking at the date of the Big 12 title game once again in Dallas and saying, oh, rumor has it Lincoln Riley is going to be down in <laughs> whatever, Texas, uh, to uh, at, at the Cowboys facilities like I did last year. And all the old people got really, really angry because oh, no. like they're like, hey, you're not going to leave Oklahoma, but they didn't get the joke. And somehow it, made its own, it got its own thread on, on Scoop. So that was fun. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting famous because people are idiots. Uh, but yeah, man, it's such an interesting thing because we knew last week that 
for the Virginia, West Virginia week that the defense and the coaching staff in particular had had some issues with COVID. And Alex Grinch has not shown up to his press today. And the rumor has it is that it's Alex Grinch and what, Ryan Odom or Alex Grinch and Roy Manning? I know those three I names. Think all have been, three. I think all those names have been floated around for sure, have been out for COVID. And then all of a sudden, you know, Lincoln Riley with a smirk on his face is like, oh, yeah, we, we got a guy off the bench, you know, Bob Stoops. He never actually, because he never was resigned from that position that they kind of gave him that weird special football office position when he res- resigned, retired. And so uh, he was out there coaching the guys today and again the day not long the day before. And uh, so it looks like Oklahoma's <laughs> winning the national title this year, right? Uh, we'll see. We'll see if uh, how Bob coaches. I mean, if you look at the last time he coached, the defense wasn't particularly great. Yeah. Um, I mean, they played well against Auburn, but this has got to be completely foreign to him at this point. I don't know. I feel like if Bob Stoops actually coached the defense and had a hand in coaching the defense and not being a CEO approach I and had hands-on, I think he could have been really good. Like that 2013 season, he was so hands-on because he it felt like he was coaching for his job. Right. Really. And so he was really hands-on with the defense and being very vocal there. And uh, he, I mean, that's how, that's how he got his, that's how he got his in into the league. But of course the, the leagues had changed since then, but I mean, the man was got to love the defensive line. Yeah, and the man was learning from Spurrier as an offensive coach and going up against Spurrier's running gun BS. So he's not averse to these Big Twelve defenses like his brother is. But yeah, man, it's it's it, it's interesting. Do you think Bob Stoops, especially if Alex Grinch and maybe if Brian Odom doesn't get cleared before Saturday's game, do you think Bob Stoops is coaching the defense with the headset on this Saturday? Uh, I think he has to wear the headset regardless. In the um, freaking visor, Bob Stoops back on the damn sidelines as an yeah. assistant, as an assistant who has a statue <laughs> up already outside the stadium, by the way. Uh, I, yeah, I don't see him going up to the press box too much because it wasn't his phrase like he wanted to provide energy and, and encouragement or whatever to the guys, but not really do much with the X's and O's. Yeah, that, that was his goal as a head coach and as a recruiter and everything else, yeah. So uh, I, I would assume he's on the sideline. Yeah, that would be that'd be great. And you know, because it because if Buki, I mean, like there are a list of names that are floating around that may not be able to go for the Sooners on defense, but the defensive line seems to be uh, pretty okay. But imagine Buki doing something utterly stupid, which happens at least once a game, it seems like, and <laughs> instead of. Alex Grinch or good old buddy Roy Manning calming him down and be like, Hey, I get, you got to listen, you know, you got to, you got to clear these mistakes. You get Bob Stoops over there taking his headset off, throwing his damn visor on the ground and really just giving Buki a what for. And next thing you know, a, a Julian Wilson treatment. Yeah. Oh, remember when him and Mike and I think Montgomery were bodying him and Julian Wilson was just screamed right back in their face. Yeah, I think. Was oh, that was the Baylor game. Also? That was the Baylor game in was Norman. Okay. That was when Trevor Knight became a quadriplegic. <laughs> they called it transient quadriplegia. Like he literally was paralyzed on the field momentarily. Was that also the game where they just kept throwing yes. the, the out route and everyone yes. was like, maybe they should cover that? And I and I parked in a spot pregame that I apparently shouldn't have, but I was so disgusted with the game that I left uh, after the first drive after half when Baylor just methodically threw seven-yard out routes over and over and over. And uh, I got to my car just as a tow truck was about to get near my car. So um, the, uh, the Waco, um, the, 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 the Baylor Bears and their re- the religiosity has saved me that day. God saved me <laughs> a, a ticket. So I'm thankful for them on You're that day. Thank you note to Art. Yeah, that's 2014, you know, that's a special time. But – Waco's an odd place, man. Chip and Joanna Gaines, Dr. Peppers from there, uh, the Branch Davidians, you know, people like that. Uh, the, uh, an odd town. But talking about, like, just teams in general, we can talk about Baylor too, but what is your least favorite school or team in the Big 12? Besides Texas. Besides Texas. That's a Besides given. Texas. It used yeah. to be Texas A&M, Ooh. but with them gone, I think – I think Baylor's easily the most hated team in the Big 12 just because of the whole incidents that have gone on there as well as they kind of came out of nowhere 
um, with Art Bryles and, and kind of got that new money vibe. And all of a sudden they thought they were, they were hot shit, but now they're kind of back in place. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, something that I think is interesting going on, uh, I don't know. So, so Texas head coach Urban Meyer and former Heisman Trophy winner Reggie Bush, they, they've already crowned Iowa State as the Big 12 champs. And that irks me a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of Texas Tech folks, like, at all, uh, whatsoever. I mean, like, they live, they live over in Lubbock. There's nothing out yeah. there. There's tumbleweeds. They're angry. Pat, Patrick Mahomes is going to be the only good thing to come out of that school in, in the next 500 years. And that dude 100% actually does put ketchup on his steaks, like in the commercials. It's just I, the Texas Tech folks, just they are the, the, to me, they're the worst. But let's talk about Iowa State a little bit more about, you know, how do you feel about Reggie Bush and Urban Meyer basically already saying Iowa State's going to win the Big 12 title game despite being a couple games out? Uh, I think they would definitely be favorited, um, let's say, if, if OU goes against Iowa State in the Big 12 championship. Um, would it be more than three points? Probably not. Um, obvious, obviously, this isn't the same Oklahoma team we watched face uh, Iowa State before. Um, they have a bunch of key pieces in Stevenson and Perkins back. So um, I would take Oklahoma. I don't think they'd be favorited at all, but I think it's a much closer game than people would give Oklahoma credit for um, just because they are so different. You have Rattler growing up, not turning the ball over. Um, and then again, with that, that defensive line is just playing insanely well right now. So I would take Oklahoma. And I mean, <clears throat> what what is what are, what are the Sooners? Because it seems like they've been getting better each and every week, even though they shouldn't have lost that Kansas State game by being up three scores. Uh, what 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 have the Sooners been able to do since that game in Ames, where they were winning by at least two scores in back to back games? They come away with losses at home and in a way, and then also they rip off however many straight games. What has happened to this team besides, of course? getting Ramondre Stevenson back, getting Ronnie Perkins back, getting Jaden Hazelwood back momentarily before he got sick, and then he'll probably be back this week. What, is this, what have the Sooners been able to do? I think they've – I think it all starts with Spencer Rattler because the main issue was Spencer Rattler turning over the ball, making bad plays, um, kind of stalling this offense out in the second half. And then as well as Lincoln Riley um, not being able to find ways to utilize his guys – um, at the same time, you have names stepping up now. So, like, we, we talked about Theo Weiss getting more involved in the offense. Uh, I mean, he's, I think he's leading the offense in receptions now. Not yards, but receptions. Um, he's becoming more involved, giving them some more versatility. Um, we saw two weeks ago Mikey Henderson becoming a large part of this offense. So, they've found ways to get guys involved that weren't necessarily involved in the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I really love the emergence of Isaiah Thomas. It's yeah. unfortunate that Laron Stokes, it doesn't seem like he's going to be going, and it honestly doesn't seem like Austin Stogner will be playing for the rest of the season. It sounds like he's got a serious kind of like infection that he had to have surgery on. It's nothing serious. He'll be back next year, but that's just unfortunate for him. But one of the biggest arguments in the Big 12, especially in a down year where the offensive lines honestly aren't even that great, so when I look at, you know, pressures per snap, it, it looks kind of inflated to me with the Big 12 because of how bad the offensive lines are. I, I don't think the defensive lines are actually that good. But there seems to be strong opinions on who has the best defensive line or even the best defense in the Big 12. Uh, Kansas State wants to lay claim to that. West Virginia wants to lay claim to that. Oklahoma wants to lay claim to that, and so does so does Oklahoma State in in even Texas. Who rank? Who who has the best defensive line in the Big Twelve? In the Big Twelve, right now, it has to be Oklahoma. Um, I mean, especially with the addition of Ronnie Perkins, that defensive line is just living in the background because you can open up so much more with Ronnie on the field. So now mm -hmm. you have Isaiah Thomas um, getting one on ones, Perry on Winfrey, um, you know, commanding that middle of that defensive line. And then Nick Benito um, probably isn't getting enough credit as a 
a major pass rusher in the in the uh, entire country. Yep. Um, so I would, I would give it to Oklahoma right now at number one, and then probably uh, maybe like a toss up between Kansas State and Oklahoma State at number two. That's fair. That's fair. And, you know, Oklahoma, they haven't even been at full strength. I mean, LaRon Stokes had been starting all year. And, and then you, 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 I guess you substitute LaRon Stokes for a Ronnie Perkins. And it's just been incredible to see what they've been able to do, what formations they've been, have, been able to play out of him. And David Aguebu being in the middle, then being on the edge. And just a lot of speed, a lot of length, a lot of tenacity. Love to see that. And I think, yeah, the best, best defensive line in the Big 12 right now is Oklahoma. And, you know, with Jalen Redmond, it sounds like he's really coming into shape as far as getting his shoulders a little bit more stronger, getting, right. a, getting in shape, like really, really football shape. You know, I think, I think like the, the depth. Yeah, like you have Marcus Stripling, uh, Corey yeah. Roberson, somewhere in there. Jordan John Kelly, Terry, Jordan Kelly. And man, at this point, like if you're Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, and you see what the defense is doing right now, and you see what the offense is going to become, do you just campaign all campaigns of like have ever make the biggest message you can possible for all those guys in the defensive line to come back the next year to be possible first and second rounders and win a national title? Do you do that? Or do you like tell them, eh, third round's good. You, you should go. Uh, you could probably campaign for a third round guy to come back, especially considering I think there's no way you're getting Ronnie Perkins back. I don't think, cause he's probably going the first or second. Right. Uh, but those third round guys, I mean, if you get Ronnie Perkins in the league and, you know, some scouts see what he can do against NFL talent and say, well, let's, let's take a look at these Oklahoma guys. They really have something going on now. You can push your draft stock up just based on him getting in the league. So for sure, I think you can, you can convince a third or fourth round guy to come back. All right. So who are the top four defenses in the big 12 then? Oklahoma. Um, I know Oklahoma state's kind of been iffy, but you know, you have to give them credit for what they did early in the season. Uh, I like Iowa State's defense, and I uh, we'll go Kansas State as well. I like their defensive line. No Kansas, huh? No love for the Jayhawks? No love for the Jayhawks, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I mean, Oklahoma State wanted to talk about how great their defense was at the best in the Big 12, and then they just – I mean, the – they they got forty one points dropped on them. I mean, what do you, what do you want what do you want me to say? I mean, and and they had been having a rough couple of weeks, but it's a pretty big drop off after OU, OSU, Kansas State's not a slouch on defense, and neither is I Iowa State. Texas can rush the the QB. Uh, you know, Baylor's pretty stout. They're 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 good on defense. I mean, that's what's been keeping them Baylor in games. Baylor creates turnovers pretty well. Yes, they do. And and Charlie Brewer's really not been Charlie Brewer this year because they have issues on the offensive line and the defensive line. And that's what that's one of the things that Shayon brought up was that you know their defensive line, although they had a lot of turnover, they lost all three of their dudes and two of them to the NFL, pretty high draft picks. After Matt Rule decided to go to Carolina, that they're still really holding it together forcing turnovers being pretty reliable uh their linebackers he said are, pr- are pretty pretty uh, spot on and so i think they're going to present a challenge to oklahoma and so let's talk about the offenses who are the top four offenses in the league before we actually get to this game because we have a few top more things four to talk offenses about. Yes. oh let's see it's oklahoma one one oh, oklahoma one. one um iowa state i think would probably go number okay. two uh, Texas Tech maybe as a, as the third offense, and then Texas just because you have Ellinger just mm. going insane in the fourth quarter. That's a sad Big Twelve. That's a that's Texas Tech's offense hasn't been very good this year, have they? They seem like they shoot themselves in the foot all year. No, but they they find ways to score. I think they're. You notice you left Oklahoma State off there. Yeah, Oklahoma State. I was after the Oklahoma game. I just do not like that offense at all. Yeah. Well, now now you might now you might think that Oklahoma State is in the top four after Texas is having all these guys stop playing. West Virginia, honestly, we don't really talk about West Virginia yeah. much, but they're pretty good both on offense Gee. and defense. Yeah, they don't get enough credit, and Oklahoma might not even play that game. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be their second toughest game of their the schedule. Hmm. It's it's interesting. Oklahoma might even play that game. It doesn't even matter if Oklahoma wins this Baylor game and they don't play the West Virginia game. They still get in the Big Twelve title game. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's as simple as that. And that might be a reason why Oklahoma's so dead set on playing this Saturday, to be quite honest. And, you know, the Baylor, they don't really present too much of a challenge uh, offensively for the defense. The Sooners, I mean, they're, I know they're going to be missing some guys, some very experienced guys in the secondary, it sounds like. Uh, but they've got plenty of there plenty of young guys that Oklahoma's really high on that they really want to see in Jeremiah Cordell. Trey Norwood is uh, he's not I wouldn't say he's reliable, but he's a guy familiar with the defense. He's a guy that the coaching staff has his blessing. You've got Pat Fields. Uh, I don't know about Trey Brown's status, but Jaden Davis and Woody Washington sound like they're good to go. And I, I, I'm I'm just not too worried about Oklahoma's defense when they're playing Baylor's offense, but. Do you think that Baylor's defense could pose some real problems for Oklahoma's offense? Yes, especially in the passing game. I don't really think they're too stout against the uh, against the run, but um, uh, especially in their secondary, they they find ways to create turnovers, and we've seen Spencer Rattler um, be that guy that can turn the ball over um, at a high clip. So um, he hasn't done it lately, but Baylor seems to find a way to get guys to to throw interceptions. If you look at their games, they're, they're not getting blown out. They're staying in a lot of close games. Right. And, you know, I mean, they, they beat Kansas State, but, I mean, they were supposed to beat Kansas State. They've, they've been awful as of late because of injuries. And, you know, Oklahoma, you know, it's same thing the Kansas State game. You, you stick around, you mess around, and you give the ball away a couple times. You could have some big issues on Senior Day in Norman where there's not a lot of seniors starting for this team especially not this year. And so, I mean, we can talk about the keys to the game in a second. There are some important, like, things going on this weekend. Some guys visiting, like Savion Bird. You've got, uh, apparently, your five-star quarterback for the next year who actually already lives in Norman, hosting other recruits on his own behalf. So it's nice to have – I imagine it's nice to have a quarterback recruit that has money that can host other players – on his own and uh, maybe even the top, you know, the receiver in the recruiting class that just going to host him this weekend. And also uh, Kamar Wheaton, tell me about this guy. So we've, we've got three dudes to talk about. We've got Savion Bird, Kamar Wheaton, and then uh, we've got Emeka Ibuka. So like what's going on here? Let's just get Wheaton out of the way. Because I think think this week, I think a lot of guys. It's his birthday. He's going to commit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was a rumor that, that that came out there. I, I we had a little group text about that, um, but even then, um, a lot of people in the recruiting ranks have kind of just given up on guessing what Wheaton's going to do or yep. when he's going to make an announcement. Um, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Oklahoma at this point. I know he's talked to LSU, Alabama, and a couple other schools, but. Um, He's made the most visits to Oklahoma, and that kind of points points towards Oklahoma's direction as far as where his recruitment um, is trending. So that's uh, – if I had to pick, I'd pick Oklahoma. If you ask me when he's going to make an announcement, I'll – no idea. Not Never. Only has, he might he's going to show idea. up on campus. That's all he's going to yeah, do. Yeah, he just might just show up, just like Baker Mayfield showed up. Yeah, people like, hey, people – and it feels like we've been waiting for Kamar for, since July. I'm I'm done. He's going to be part of the Sooner Summit. Yeah. Um, potentially part of that uh, that string of announcements after Caleb Williams, but yep. just like never came to yep. fruition. So. Yeah, I'm I'm done waiting on Kamar. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, Oklahoma's still going to go get some other four star running back somewhere else, or they might look in the JUCO ranks. Do you think like right? If, like how long does Oklahoma basically say he should have off the pot with him? Like how long? How much longer are they waiting for a commitment? Or do you think he's I already think committed? Wait. Um, and see what he does on national sign uh, the early national signing okay. day. If he doesn't make an announcement or a commitment on that day, um, I think you maybe see them push towards maybe Donovan Edwards or throw another offer out to a guy that yeah, um, you know, may, might be a, a three star guy, but they they've had their eye on for a while. So, and you got some guys coming up with some some big commitment dates. Didn't Savion Bird set a commitment date? I know. I believe uh, he's the sixteenth. Bryce, Bryce Foster's then, the eighteenth, right? Yes, they're two days apart. So, like, two really, really, apart. really, really close for, I mean, in both of those could go the Sooners' way. One of them could go the Sooners' way. Who knows? Uh, Savion Bird, there's rumors of him and SMU being a thing again. But then again, there's there's not a lot of positivity of that happening. Like, what's what's going on with him? So, Savion Bird, I mean, he's 
SMU has been in that recruitment for quite a while. Yes, I think yeah. um, I think one of his former coaches in high school uh, now coaches. I think it's Rashad Samples. I could be wrong about that, but um, he, I mean Rashad Samples is a guy that's probably going to get hired elsewhere um, just because he is that good of a recruiter. I mean, he has guys like Savion Bird looking at SMU. So yep. Um, you know, I think Oklahoma can play that out a little bit that, you know, even if you go to SMU for this guy, this coach that you like, he may not be there after the season. So um, I think Oklahoma can play that out. Obviously, if it's not SMU, Oklahoma is there. Um, I think he did take a visit to LSU. I don't believe he brought his family, though, on that visit. And he brought hmm. his family on the Oklahoma visit. So interesting. Um, that's another pick where I think you'd probably pick Oklahoma – with SMU having a, a fair chance of maybe a little bit of an upset. For sure. And let's talk about, you know, the, another receiver, another receiver, QB, <laughs> QB one and the wide receiver one name. combo. Emeka, uh, what's going on here? He's, he's going to go just hang out with Caleb Williams and definitely just host, host him himself and not have any of the fact, Sooners faculty hosts. What's going on here? <laughs> well, if you, if you remember right, Emeka was supposed to be a part of the Sooner Summit originally. And uh, some travel plans fell through. Um, obviously, didn't make it the first time. And this is a lot of what Caleb Williams does best is keep these guys engaged, keep them interested in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, his family being pretty involved in his life. They can, they can host guys in Oklahoma. They have a residence here now. So uh, without Caleb Williams, you're really not getting this visit at all. Um, I don't yep. really know too much about Igbuka. I know he's down to Ohio state and Oklahoma. Yep. Um, and this visit obviously to Oklahoma does open things up quite a bit. Um, it's not a visit to Oklahoma. It's a visit to Caleb over. Williams. Yeah. Right? Well, they're hanging out. Caleb's just going to hang out in Norman. We're going to so. play some halo and eat, <laughs> yeah. eat some Cheez-Its. Well, it's war zone now. No, that's war zone. Yeah, for sure. Or FIFA. And, and, and another player that Oklahoma's familiar with is Gonna be transferring soon in Jaden Woodbay. That's a name from the past. He was a former Army All American, top 35. Oklahoma was in deep on his recruitment before he committed to Florida State. He's a six foot two, 204 pound safety. Um, he tore his ACL last year. Sounds like he has some interest in Oklahoma. Do you think Oklahoma would have interest in him? That's an interesting question. Um, just because I, I mean, I haven't seen him play recently, and obviously he has the injury as well, but from what I remember in high school was there were some questions about how well can he move as a safety? Does he have the speed um, to play in the open field? So I think Oklahoma would have to evaluate that especially because mm. um, they, they want speed so much. He has a size, but at 204 pounds, can he, can he move around? So um, if, if they determine that you know he can move around well enough to be a part of their defense. Absolutely. I think you, you take a look at them. You don't, you don't think you like would suffer from Robert Barnes syndrome. Yeah. That would be what you're afraid of. Yeah. Just being too stiff. It's like a lack not, of mobility. Being, yeah. But, his uh, hips are so bad. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he broke his leg or anything. Robert Barnes yep. for what it's worth was, was a great player before he had that, that big leg injury in, in high school. So. Yeah, and now he's now he's a sort of a linebacker where your hips are actually really, really important and just not just really important. Yeah, it's so really, I mean that fits him better <laughs> for sure. But I'd be intrigued to see if they brought in Jaden Woodbay, considering you know DTY Patrick Fields should be back, and then you have a Justin Harrington who's just sitting there. Which Oklahoma Alex Grinch was incredibly excited about him, who is roughly the same size. He's like six three. 215 he's gonna play cornerback <laughs> safety somewhere what do you think that, that room's like with dude. all the the 510 guys walking in and then you have justin harrington yeah. right behind him oh god Ima imagine dakota austin just coming back to see his <laughs> dakota austin coming back to see his fellow pals and then like he feels like he's a child in the room with adults like he's sitting at the kids table at thanksgiving i played here yeah right i mean he at least he's bob on the field though so he has he has a buddy god at least he doesn't wear his jersey everywhere where he goes. I mean, his own jersey. I'll never forget. Oh, they, I'll they never forget. I'll never forget because Zach Sanchez got carted off on like on a weird, weird, like weird mobile wheelchair. It wasn't like a normal wheelchair. It's like some weird metal thing they had like set up during that Texas Tech game. 
and Dakota Austin came in and people were like, okay, let's go. And I was like, oh God, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> and he had, Dakota Austin played relatively well, but the truth is that Pat Mahomes missed on some throws and Dakota got an, a couple easy interceptions. And from then on, people are like, oh, Dakota Austin's not too bad. And because Zach Sanchez played for the rest of the year, his injury wasn't as serious as it was thought to be. I won't forget it because I saved the screenshots. Dakota Austin the next year was like, they're going to see me start and wonder who this, where this guy <laughs> came from. Came out of nowhere. He's, he's blowing off the charts. And then he tackled the wrong guy in the Houston game. He got abused like he was a teenager, like, like, like he was in like, junior high playing against some varsity players it was not a good time for him but i mean to talking about waco there's been worse times for people out of waco like parish cobb you know, <laughs> not a good time not a good time and i i, I wonder to be a steal too yeah a, a real good steal uh I, you know didn't sign with baylor or got out of, got out of his uh letter of intent yep gosh i remember his dad used to, he campaigned in front of the stadium Oh yeah, I get remember that. out of that uh, LOI. And I remember thinking that I was like, "Oh, that's great news! Oklahoma's going to need a guy like him. He's the most ready to play." And then all of a sudden, he, uh, you know, things happen. Didn't, uh, you know, he he didn't let guys get away on the field, but <laughs> he didn't get away off the field either. But. So Jaden Woodbay, a name that 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 defensive back room is changing rapidly. I imagine Alex Grinch is basically at the end of each season, especially for former guys, is like, hey, uh, you can kind of see yourself out. I mean, clearly you are five foot five inches smaller and twenty pounds lighter than everybody else in the room. Just saying. And so let's focus on the Baylor game for, just for a brief moment because I mean, like that's the game that's happening Saturday that we think is like. The testing on Monday, everybody's kind of like hinging, like what's going to happen in this game. And we were maybe going to podcast on Tuesday. And I thought maybe Wednesday would be better because the test this morning, the test this morning didn't come back very negative. So it looks like Oklahoma is basically one testing round just away from being able to play this game. And so if you're Oklahoma, how are you walking into this game? What are the keys to this game? How, how are you, what's, your, what's your plan of attack knowing that Austin Stogner is out for the year and now you got Mikey Henderson, Jaden Hazelwood back? What, what are you trying to do in this game before West Virginia and a possible Big 12 title game against Iowa State? Well, I think defensively you kind of stick to your strengths, right? Because Baylor's just not – they don't have a great offensive line. Mm -hmm. um, you can get to the point of attack there pretty pretty easily. So even if you don't have a Nick Benito, um, a guy like Marcus Stripling, John Michael Terry, those guys can have big games against Baylor. Um, so I think you, you keep the pressure on early and often um, and try to keep the ball, um, you know, either you get the sack or you, you force an errant throw. Because um, a guy like R.J. Sneed for Baylor can, can really hurt you. Um, but rushing-wise, I don't, I don't love Baylor's – offense that much um at least the rushing either way but their running game is about where oklahoma's was um early in the season so Jeez. i think as long as you get that pass rush going you're, you're going to be pretty good in this game and i mean oklahoma you look at their defensive line and would you would you think about because david Aguebu, this dude is a swiss army knife he can play in a lot of different places do you entertain the idea since Nick Benito is out do you entertain putting rush. in Deshaun White and Brian Asamoa as your Mike and Will and yes putting Aguebu in as your rush or do you stick with John Michael Terry who was really good at setting the edge last year before getting injured leading way to Nick Benito's kind of I guess blossoming on this defense actually I was thinking about this earlier today I think you would move uh, Aguebu back over to the rush and, and keep those other two linebackers in because I think that's your best setup. Even with John Michael Terry, um, he can obviously come in and spell for a few series here mm -hmm. and there. But Aguebu physically, I mean, that's he's kind of a freak on the field. He's he's that Kenneth Murray. I heard uh, now. So somebody told me in the media that David Aguebu is not even that great. You know, and they I think they work. At, was this a big J thing? I think it was a big J thing. Something about wires. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 Is, is is David Aguebu a bad player? No. I mean, I think he's a pretty good player. Is he oh, elite? Okay. 
No. Can he be? Can he be a Leander Bynodum? Yes, he can. And he has all the physical tools to become that. I mean, even if you look at Kenneth Murray, we looked at guys like, man, that guy could be really, really good um, just because of his physical traits, but he's kind of – he doesn't play that well. And then all of a sudden Brian Odom comes in and Kenneth Murray's a first-round pick. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, you put good coaching and good fundamentals with elite – I mean, elite athleticism. And do you think David Aguaba's future is in the middle or do you think it's actually out on the edge? I don't, I don't think it's decided yet. I want to see him more in the middle. I want to see what he can do um, kind of against not a Big 12 offense, basically. Right. I want to see how, how he reacts to that before I make any determination. But if, you know, let's say he plays in the NFL, either one, um, you, can, you can start on that. I mean, David Igwebu is the type of, uh, of out-of-conference linebacker, big, long-arm, middle-in-the-field middle linebacker that Oklahoma has had issues with in the last couple of college football playoffs, they, the, the opposing team's linebackers, they weren't small and fast like Oklahoma had been used to in the Big 12. They're very tall, very long, athletic linebackers. And David Aguebo, I think, has a really good chance to be something like that. I mean, is he the same talent that Kenneth Murray is? No. Uh, do I think he can have the same amount of effect on of a game? I think he does because he has – I mean, he's not as elite as far as speed goes – but right. God, the guy is a—he's an athlete. He—he he has all of the measurables that you want. The guy, like standing straight up, his arms, his his the, the edge of his fingertips almost touch his calves. Like that's how long his arms are. It's just incredible. And with the season of with an, a real offseason of conditioning and getting stronger and faster, I could see him playing everywhere in that front seven for Alex Grinch and the Sooners. And so, I mean, how do you see this game realistically playing out? Because I think some of the keys of the game just are don't turn the damn ball over, don't get hurt. Now, those are my keys of the game. But how do you see this game actually playing out? Um, I think uh, with Oklahoma's offense especially, I think they're probably going to use those, those shorter throws, those quick throws. Um, you know, maybe, you know, we don't know if Mikey Henderson is going to be available, but how they use him with the drag routes – I, I, that worked. He was wide open. Um, he's, he's got enough speed to get up the field. So I think early on, you don't really force the long throw. I know Rattler kind of trends that way as the game goes on. Um, but those short and intermediate passes are, are the way to go against Baylor. Is Trajan Bridges going to get to play this season? Uh, <laughs> uh, I doubt it, honestly. At this point, why would you even entertain playing, I guess, two games? true i mean like the season doesn't count anyways in a bowl game so three games yeah it's the eyebrows man it's the eyebrow i'm sorry i can't get over (laughs) it's just look at the eyebrows that's all you need to know ncaa hasn't cleared them it's it that's why they said (laughs) they said we'll give you 24 to 48 hours notice and they ghosted them for two weeks jack bridges is angry obviously i mean i'd be angry too if they said they get back to me in 48 hours because I was, I was unlocking an iPhone for a friend so they could just have it. And T-Mobile says, Oh, we'll send you an email in the next 24 hours. I got it 48 hours later. And imagine this dude's waiting. They said one to two days and he's waiting one to two weeks later and has heard nothing. I mean, cause it's getting to the point where the players aren't the only ones just saying, Oh, free eight. The coaches are now like, like retweeting and liking and it's just incredible how far this has gotten to where Trajan Bridges is probably going to lose another season, but it's, again, not against his, his eligibility because this season doesn't really even count. So maybe Are it's a season where he's going to subscribing to the NCAA just hates Oklahoma? I think I'm subscribing to the NCAA hates players, and they hate student-athletes, and they don't want to give up control. Because guys can transfer into the SEC, and they're eligible, like, Immediately. Same day. Yeah. Pretty much. But you look at like cases like Ronnie Perkins um, with that appeal, Chris Murray with his transfer appeal. I mean, those just took forever. Yeah. Or on the basketball side, Mo Gibson, there's, there was so many dudes like from North Texas. There's so many other guys transferring from other places in Oklahoma and Senate. The last one, Jalen Saunders. Remember him? He got approved right before the Texas game, even though he'd been with the team the entire year. Why does the NCAA the last transfer that got approved yeah. 
Was it Soon. Chris Brown or not Chris Brown? What's the guy from Penn State? Oh, oh. Justin Brown? Justin Brown. Justin yeah. Brown was approved very quickly. Gosh. That's terrible. And, yeah, it's true. The NCAA hates Oklahoma. That's why they haven't won a national title in 20 years, right? <laughs> That's part of the reason. That's part of the reason. The other one could be uh, – The other one one's the coaching defense this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So – What's your score, and what's the confidence level in this pick? And, and, and re, let's remind everybody, the line here is 22.5, and the over-under is 62.5. So what's the score? Are you picking for the spread, against the spread? What's going on? Uh, my rock and roll tequila predictions. Um, I'll go Oklahoma 45, Baylor 21. Okay, so all right. All right. I think Baylor does kind of get the ball moving a little bit just because Oklahoma has some guys playing out of position or they're starting new guys. Um, but at the end of the day, Oklahoma's just a better team. Yeah, I, I was going to go Oklahoma 45, Baylor 24. I think Baylor maybe gets the garbage touchdown late. I think the game is actually pretty a little bit tight early, and then Oklahoma gets really loose towards the end of their first quarter and into the second quarter. And uh, the game should be well in hand by the fourth, but Oklahoma will just run the clock out. And you know, my confidence level in that is, you know, it's like a seven. I mean, Baylor, again, Baylor, they've been keeping games close, but they haven't really faced an offense like Oklahoma's where you have to defend every part of the field. Lincoln Riley's just that good. And Baylor's defense is not as great as they have been. And with Oklahoma's offensive line finally coming together, with Oklahoma's running game finally coming together with Ramondre Stevenson, just basically getting all the carries. And now you're going to maybe get Mikey Anderson involved, even though you're getting Brayden Willis and Jeremiah Hall there. You should maybe get Jaden Hazelwood back along with, you know, with the other five-star guys, not named Trajan Bridges and Marvin Mims. Ugh, there's, there's so much to like about the Oklahoma team now that we were just in agony over the first three games of the season. <laughs> and, and it's just, a, it's good to see that this team again, year in and year out under Lincoln Riley, they they get so much better from game one to the end of the season. It's championship November for the Sooners, and they know what to do, whether or not they have coaches there. They all know, and they all go. They all expect to go kick Baylor's ass this Saturday. I mean, that's what they expect. And I, I think that's interesting. And meanwhile, Texas thinks they're getting Urban Meyer. And um, <laughs> I, I, I just I don't think it's going to happen. I haven't got to follow that too much um, outside of the – screenshots from uh like orange bloods mm, yeah that's been great great stuff you know they thought it was gonna be the next great coach on the 40 acres some names they've thrown out is they've they've thrown out well if they can't get urban meyer they're gonna get bob stoops josh heupel those are some of the names they've thrown out what about john gruden oh yeah john gruden who's having a lot of success <laughs> in las vegas by the way with the raiders so yeah <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Herm Edwards, I think, was was thrown out there. Actually, you know, do you think do you think Herm Edwards would actually work for Texas as like as like let's let's say the coach they want, like for example, Oklahoma wanted Alex Grinch a year or two earlier, but he had just signed along with Ohio State. So they just basically had Mike Stoops and he got fired in like in a placeholder year to get another guy. Do you think Texas hires a placeholder like a Herm Edwards that yeah, he has an NFL pedigree. Texas football recruits itself, gets guys in positions for success to clear the way for like a next young head coach like Oklahoma is doing. Or do you expect them to make another splash hire or at least what they think is a splash hire to kind of fall flat on their face? What do you think happens here? Do you think they actually get Urban Meyer or do you think it's some known commodity? Because that's what Texas football is. I bet they get some known commodity. Um, just because Urban, I mean – we his health issues. Uh, yeah, I think everyone can't remember kind of, where he's at. Yeah, he can't remember. He can't remember the tattoo money or the all the other stuff either. But uh, at the same time, he's working two three days a week and making pretty yeah. good money. Yeah. Matthew Fox. McConaughey is going to be the next head football coach at Texas. God. Would you? I'd like to that? see. I'd like to see that. Honestly. I would too. And he could play in a movie like, about it by himself. Yeah, that's true. No, but I think I think Texas probably goes for the splash hire, some you know guy that probably has a, a trendy name. Um, don't ever learn. They don't ever learn. No, I don't think they'll they'll make the right hire. I, history just says otherwise. So, 
you gotta love Texas football. I mean, you got you got Mike Gundy over there just being the you know, he's he's a special he's a special guy. <laughs> I I I forgot that Oklahoma State was doing like their own documentary thing this year. And I watched the Bedlam episode because I it popped up on my ESPN app on on my on my TV. And uh, basically, after the game, Gunny's like, "Well, they outplayed us. They outcoached us. They basically just kicked our ass." And I was like, <laughs> well, that's, "I'm sure that's a great post-game speech." And he's like, "Well, don't don't let it beat you next week." And then, uh, so I mean, I, it, Chuba and Thailand haven't opted out yet, have they? Not to my knowledge. I, you'd think they would at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, because Texas players are—they've already called it quits. Oklahoma State, um, even if you make a bowl game, it's not going to be a very good one. I don't even know how bowl games are working this year, but I saw the most recent projection was OU in Georgia. How do you feel about that? I think OU would be favored, or I would favor OU in that game. I don't think Georgia is that good. You know, Georgia They're not has... the, the same 2017 Georgia yeah. that also should have lost, but they yes. don't have Sony Michelle, mm-hmm. McCole Hardman, Nick Chubb. They don't sure. have those guys anymore. Yeah, yeah. And imagine Georgia, they had Justin Fields, and they let him go. Yeah, I think the the best player in Georgia, not the quarterback, I think it's Zamir White. I think it's their running back. I mean, he's pretty good, but you don't have that one-two punch anymore. That's right, man. Well... I'm I'm out of stuff to talk about. I mean, I, I, I'm we've we've been having an interesting couple of weeks here. And uh, do, do you do you have anything to say? Do, do you have anything to add to this podcast? I mean, like Oklahoma should go out and dominate Baylor. I think we all expect that. Um, it, I'm more curious to see what happens over the next couple of weeks in recruiting and what happens with the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, I think recruiting is probably going to take most of the attention away, even with Oklahoma going to another Big Twelve championship. So. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. What two weeks now? Two and a yep. half weeks. Mm-hmm. So that'll be fun. All right. Well, I think that about wraps us up. So go ahead and follow us on crimsonandcreammachine.com, guys. You know you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us at CC Machine. You can follow me, Kamen Robbie, at Kamen Robbie and CCM. You can follow Stephen at at OUPdated SB. Go ahead and give us a five star rating if you're listening. If you're listening for the first time, you're not you know subscribe just go ahead and hit the subscribe button we really appreciate all you guys that are listening uh, day in and day out and thanks for the constant support we'll check you guys later